Hey guys, before we get started today, I wanted to remind you to check out another podcast. It's from someone you know very well, if you listen to this podcast, Dominique Foxworth. Dominique's pod comes out every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities around it, just about everything he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen wherever you're listening to this pod. Back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the hosts thinks the number two receiver is a plastic bag that his mom carries around. That's Lenny. Oh, that was so good. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I didn't. I, you said you came up with it like five seconds ago. So I had low expectations. The pressure is high. Uh, I'm definitely repeating them. I, maybe I can get Dan to go back and listen to every podcast and write them down. <laughs> I need like a George R. R. Martin has people who like keep track of stuff and tell him when he's repeating things and mm-hmm. yell at him. I, well, I mm-hmm. don't want that actually. Anyways, that voice is Kevin Clark, Kevin Hi. Clark, friend of the show, senior football writer for the ringer host of the slow news day podcast. Kevin, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be here. It's been too long. Last time I was here, we were doing draft needs. Oh my God. Really? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, yeah. I don't want to revisit that, but I do want to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> um, your podcast is we had Richard we Sherman just, on. It, 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 gave, it, yeah. I just want to say in our draft needs, we just gave everybody pass rushing cornerbacks. And yeah. that was it. And then oh, we were like, yep, yeah, yeah, they could yeah, use a little yeah, more pass yeah. rush. Looking around the league, I'd, yeah, there's still teams that could <laughs> use pass rush and cornerbacks. Um, just really quick, you had Richard Sherman on this week. It looks really good. I mean, I, I watched a video, which was great. Sure. It, it was really fascinating. Um, he has such good insight into so many different things. And, and the video that we put out there was about Kyle Shanahan and understanding. And I, I thought this part was fascinating where he basically said that Kyle Shanahan, once he learned Dan Quinn's defense from being with Dan Quinn, knew the rules of the Seahawks defense that he literally broke the scheme. And the question I'd asked was just, you know, what do you wish was more understood about defense in the, in the kind of the discourse, the nuances yeah. that people should know that we don't talk about. And he was like, so rarely, like we comment commenters or, or play-by-play guys or color guys always go with the defense. Oh, this guy got beat. And normally if there's a huge break, it's because the OC or the offense was able to understand the rules and break the rules. I really enjoyed the conversation and no one puts it into words quite like Richard Sherman. When I see a coverage bust, I never blame someone on Twitter because I assume like sometimes you're like, it's probably that guy, you know, but yeah. then you, you're like, ah, coverage is so crazy and it's complicated. I want to like take a beat. And yeah, anyways, I'm very afraid to blame people for a coverage bus. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I will have to check that out, even though it is incredibly painful. The play he talked about <laughs> with uh, Julio Jones is a play that Seahawks fans remember very vividly. Um, go check out his podcast. Kevin, you're on today to talk about some really great games with very big playoff ramifications mm. this week. Um, I chose a few of them. I sent them your way. I'm going to give you gentlemen's choice. Which game would you like to talk about first? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I have, I, have, I have copious notes on all four. They're all, they all have their drawbacks. Let's start. <laughs> Let's start. I mean, all of them have potential pitfalls, right? Let's yes. start with uh, Giants Commanders. Yeah, let's reverse. I mean, this is 
I texted you, I think, while I was preparing for this game, it made me even angrier that the Seahawks lost to the Panthers and are going to make it hard for them to get in the playoffs because yeah. now chances are we might not just see one, but both of these teams in the playoffs. Um, sorry, Commanders Giants fans, you're probably mad at me. The reason I was mad is, I was, and this is probably a good way into the game, I was just looking at the Giants roster, and yeah. I, I said this to you, there's guys I have never heard of before this week or last week, um, they're so injured. That's mm-hmm. why I don't want, it's not that I'm, I don't have anything against your team. I'm glad for you that we talked a lot about them during the early part of the season, but you're so, so injured uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, this secondary, there, there's, so let's start with the commander's offense versus the Giants yeah. defense. Kevin, I, the secondary is like, really reaching for players at this point. I mean, they, well, I don't think Dexter Lawrence is playing in this game. So, or pardon me, Leonard mm-hmm. Williams. Um, not Dexter Lawrence, so right. Dexter, that's Dexter huge. Lawrence will very much be playing in it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> go ahead. They're just, and, and the other thing I looked up was, okay, I was like, all right, I don't know who these cornerbacks are. So let me see how much <laughs> Wink Martindale has been blitzing, if it's tapered off. And I kept narrowing the splits, and they remained the number one blitzing team in the NFL. It's not like, okay, that's like, yeah, they're number one of the season. I kept going like more recent, more recent, recent. It has not dropped off at all. They're the number one man coverage team in the NFL and they don't have any cornerbacks. That's good. That's great. No, that's good. Um, so a couple things. Number one, I know who these Giants players are because the Giants are my Madden franchise team and I have built <laughs> such a good culture that these are all my guys. You know, like everybody's bought in. It's not, it's it's one through 53. And I didn't even include the yeah. practice squad because those are my guys too. Um, so it's funny. I was actually Big just Nick listening. Big guy. Sorry. Just huge. <laughs> I was actually just listening to a Bill Parcells interview from the 90s, and as one does. Um, it was an NFL Films thing. And he actually mentioned, he was like, he was talking about a, a, a Washington Giants game from the 80s at RFK. And it was like he was describing like a different sport. He was like, you know who those crowds get at RFK when it's those two. And, it's, and it sounded like we would describe you know, Seahawks Niners, you know, a decade ago. You know, where it's just mm-hmm. like the pinnacle of the sport. And I'm such a you know, I'm, we're both vaguely young. Um, and, and, and I think that there's, we don't remember that the NFC East used to be this different, this different animal. Um, I like the fact that both of these teams seem to be on some sort of positive trajectory, but Mm. they're not there quite yet. The offensive line for the giants right now. Um, I mean, Evan Neal, God bless him. So first of all, these are the, not counting Justin Fields. These are the two most pressured quarterbacks in football, Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones. (laughs) Evan Neal, to me, um, I believe he's giving up the most pressures in the NFL over the past few weeks. You almost wish, and it's funny because this happened on the on the other side with Andrew Thomas in his rookie year, you almost wish that you almost had like a soccer loan system where you could loan out young tackles just to sort of, you know, get them... <laughs> From the Eagles. Get them experience and and just like not have a situation where they're, they're playing in, in huge games. Um, and so... You know, the commanders have their own issues in the offensive line. I was just reading Ben Standing basically saying they're not fast enough to get to the second level uh, of the defense, which is not true um, from, you know, from a couple of years ago, obviously, when they were, they were more athletic. So you want to talk about this Giants defense. I mean, this is Dominic Foxworth made the point on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. When you don't have talent, you get more aggressive. And so Wink mm. Martindale, in his own way, is, is sort of perfect for this. Um, but these teams are so... I guess you could say average that I don't know what really separates them. Yeah. I, I think the thing that separates them is I think the giant, the commander's defense is actually good. 
I've decided. Okay. Um, they, what, like, what, when you look at uh, both these sides. What was the tipping point there? <laughs> well, you know, they weren't good for a while, right? Like, last right. season, things totally crumbled, and they had a really, I mean, you know, the, the front the front four is, of course, really good, even without Chase Young, who I don't mm-hmm. think is going to play. But I just saw a report about him looking healthy. I don't know. I'm kind of like just like wait and see with Chase Young. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because Jonathan Allen, Dron Payne, and Montez Sweat are amazing. Um, and then Jamin Davis, who was their first-round draft pick, has mm-hmm. been playing a lot better this year. But the secondary was a huge issue with this team. And I, I really think, you know, they, they traded William Jackson the third, who was miscast. Um, you know, he was a man mm-hmm. corner and was not... Um, a good fit for the the Washington defense that plays a lot of zone. And since then, like a lot of these young players in the secondary have been pretty good. Like the safety duo, Derek Forrest and Cam Curl is decent. Like Cam Curl's quite good. I think Derek Forrest has been decent as well. Um Benjamin St. Juice, uh Juice, Juicy, uh, who replaced William Jackson has been certainly better than him. Like they just I don't think it's like one of the best secondaries in the NFL or anything, but because the front is so good, um, I actually think this has become a super solid defense. And, and and I think when we look at this matchup, we can talk about the, you know, uh, the two quarterbacks. But I think, like, if I'm going to bet on something in this, I'm going to bet on that defense. Uh, and I guess you could also say the, the, the commanders are running the ball pretty well. You know, Brian Robinson has obviously come on pretty strong for them as a north-south runner. I think they'll be able to run the ball with ease on New York. I think the biggest issue that they run into, the biggest, I don't know, threat, or I, the thing that would make them lose this game is Taylor Heineke trying to do too much, as he's wont to do, and turning the ball over. So the Giants' pass rush has the fourth most pressures in the NFL over the past five weeks. Lions wow. and Dolphins, by the way, tied for number one. That's via True Media. I, I looked it up last night. I was fascinated by that. By that same token, the Commanders are 28th in the last five weeks. So that's interesting to me. And again, part of that is the aggression and, yeah. and how many guys and, and the defense. And so I'm not saying that they've got the most talented defensive line, although Dexter Lawrence is is very on the road to being a legitimate game wrecker um, and is already a very, very, very good defensive lineman. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau leads rookies in pass rush win rate right now. Um, so I'm, I'm impressed awesome. when you think about the building blocks. And I think that the Giants are just a little bit over their skis as far as ex- expectations. Like you almost wish they lost their first two games this year so we yeah. could bring them along at more of a, a you know coherent pace. And, and now it just feels like if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be a disappointment. I, don't, I think we need to recalibrate it and say anything that happens this year for the Giants is a positive. They've got holes in a lot of different places. They don't have any receivers. The Kenny Galladay contract is one of the worst things in the world. They have a much brighter future to me than the commanders, which by the way, when I was doing research for this pod last night, Mina, I was listening to like all the commanders podcasts, like the beat writers, and all they were breaking down was the congressional report. Like that's where they are this year. <laughs> um, yeah, the giant, like the first half of the season with the Giants, it was an offense that was like where everybody was kind of shocked by um, how like there was a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of trickeration. They were using the wildcat formation. Daniel Jones was running more. And I think some of the things that have happened over the last few weeks that have conspired against them. And they were doing all this, by the way, they didn't have a ton of talent. I mean, they lost like Sterling Shepard, the lost players, this good, mm-hmm. the wide receiver, but still it was impressive. Um, this is before Daniel Bellinger got hurt too. I thought he was, he was really good for them early on. So over the last few weeks, a few things have happened since coming back from injury. Saquon Barkley has not been as good as he was early in the season. And then I think Mm -hmm. just kind of defenses are kind of like wise to what they did in the first part of the season. 
like um you know those bootlegs where daniel jones like i mean it actually still works a decent amount but it's not as effective as it was earlier in the year his designed rollout game um Mm -hmm. and it's just like they're just not talented enough it's hard it's like the offensive line is injured they just have so many injuries at skill player i don't know it's hard for me like just thinking about this game I can imagine a world in which Taylor Heineke makes mistakes and the Giants defense mm-hmm. benefits from that, but it's hard for me to imagine a world in which the Giants offense um, is able to really win against this defense unless, um, I guess, like Daniel Jones takes over as a runner or maybe hits on some of those 50-50 balls to Darius Slayton that he hits on at times. I think th- I'm going to pick the Giants in this game. Whoa! Heineke- really? Heineke- Heineke, well, first of all, they tied a couple weeks ago. Okay. So, like, I, there's not much to, there's not much. Well, I'm not sure why you're su- surprised by this. They played a couple know, weeks ago so and hurt. they were pretty much dead even. Yeah. I, they had they had three, speaking of this, building on this and, and arguing <laughs> against my own point. They, on the injury report last week, had three neck injuries. God. What's I want to be a bit windhorsed here. What's going on in East <laughs> Rutherford that there are three guys who missed the game due to mm. neck injuries? Um, not normal. Uh, Heineke is one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure yeah. in the league. He's 26th. Um, can we go through it real quick? Because it's funny. Uh, Heineke is 26th. <laughs> Goff is 27th. Brissett, Tom Brady is 29th. Goff's 27th. Uh, wow. He is. Well, he's Put like, that in your he's, pocket. He's, we'll get... he's, he's fifth when kept clean. We're going yeah, to that. We're, we're gonna yeah, get yeah, to we're gonna it. We're going to get to that, yeah. Matt Ryan, 30. Kyler Murray, 31. And then, and this is why I bring this up. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson are 32 and 33. Let's play a game. <laughs> What is Mac Jones's quarterback rating under pressure? You told me, so I know. I asked you, yeah. yeah. You can ham it up. It's twenty-three. Um, I don't. Wow. And Zach Wilson <laughs> is eleven. Yeah, it's tough. This is all via true media. It's tough. Um, Heineke's really. Lim- I mean, he's. Whenever you read, uh, okay, let me. This is going to be more of like a media thing, but. Whenever you listen to people talk about Taylor Heineke and why he wins or like read something about it, it's really hard to find like a point. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like it like the descriptions of it are so vague. Like, uh, oh, he just wins. He's scrappy. He's, you know, he's just making plays. But like you really like it's really hard to find uh, to arrive at concrete explanations for his well i mean he hasn't had like a ton of success with them but like you know like there's not really Mm -hmm. praise that's uh has concrete evidence behind it no i don't think anyone really knows like i think even if you get like the smartest people if we got the if we got our top scientists on it like there's not a lot that's happening except that they're they're winning games or tying games against the Giants. So I don't know. Yeah. Are you uh, are you excited that Carson Wentz uh, is active? Just in case we get there's the, there's the. Chance I don't think it's sliver. beyond. I mean, they're not going to go to him, but it's like I, people talk about it. They're like, "There's no way you can go from Taylor Heineke." It's like, eh, I mean, I I I, I you got to obviously. I see why they're going to roll with Heineke. It makes sense. Whatever. It's not like either quarterback. Um, is like significantly there's not like a you know they're both ranking near the bottom of the NFL in most metrics but like Heineke I, the thing about Taylor Heineke okay I'm gonna actually give him some concrete praise once a game he'll have a drive where he just goes ape shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like 
throughout the game, sicko it's like, mode? Oh, he goes he's sicko missing. Mode? He, he, there's just like one drive a game always. He'll make like two absolutely crazy throws. And you're like, yeah. whoa. And he has really good wide receivers. I, I, I like this wide receiver group. Like I like McLaurin, Dotson, Kirk Samuel. I love it when they use him in the backfield. Um, and every now and like there, there'll always be a drive where he does that. But there'll also be a drive where he probably should have two more interceptions than he does. Uh, it's very, very up and down. And, you know, like the arm strength shows up in certain moments against certain defenses. I think it shows up in the red zone as well. He's limited. Uh, but again, this Giants defense, woof. Like if you can beat the Blitz, it's it's there for the picking. That's why I lean Washington that. And I think, like, as I said, I think this defense will be able to handle them. Who do you think is going to be better next year out of these two teams? That's a great question. Um, it's really interesting because they're two teams with like building blocks, but mm-hmm. huge question marks at quarterback. I think it's the giant, the commanders, they're going to lose some players, I think, because of, you know, they have all these like first round draft picks on the defensive mm-hmm. line. Um, but they have like the young, I, I, I really like the foundation of this commander's defense. So maybe Washington, but again, it probably is going to come down to which of these teams finds the correct answer at quarterback, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, that's going to be yes. a better team. I'm going to, I'm going to float something here. I think that ownership really, ma- I mean, obviously like this is the most obvious point, but I'm actually getting to something. Ownership and when it changes hands in Washington is the most important thing. Because we already heard the report that Jimmy Garoppolo basically scheduled a surgery the moment he found out the commanders were interested. And I kind of feel like that level of quarterback mm. is just not going to want to play with the commanders. Just not. Unless unless they get bought out by a Bezos type or somebody with a lot of money. I don't know who else that would be. I don't know the name of one billionaire who doesn't own an NFL team. And I just named him. Um, and so <laughs> like, that's it. Well, Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bezos or Buffett. Maybe maybe like a joint deal. Um, and so I don't – like that to me, I think if you're going to want to play for the Giants, live in New York, all that stuff, if you're on the Garoppolo level, the Derek Carr level, that's why I think it's 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 pretty important that they get their, their shit settled quite soon. All right, you've got the Giants. I've got the Commanders. Uh, this is a big one. It's a big one. So I'm excited for it. Let's talk about Lions-Jets. You mentioned Jared Goff mm. and his play under pressure. Oh boy, this Jets defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, the, the one thing I'll, I'll throw out a stat that, so I was just like pulling stats on how great the Jets defense was. And um, so the, against the Lions, the, or pardon me, the, against the Vikings, the Lions shredded as they are want to do off of play action. They used a lot of play action. They used amongst the most in the NFL. Goff went eight for 11, 151 passer rating. Guess who the number one defense in the NFL is against play action? It is your New York Jets. They are fifth against the pass. Uh, they are there. Here's another thing. So the the Lions got all their. They now have a, like a full complement of wide receivers who again cooked against Detroit. They're able to stretch the field now. Jameson Williams is back against the Bills. The Jets cornerback trio. I mean, just blanked those wide receivers. So this is. A very very difficult matchup, uh, and it, I, I am loving the Lions. I am enjoying everything about this team, but this could be quite a challenge. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, Richard Sherman actually I asked him who the best DB in the league was, and he kind of paused and he said the one interesting wrinkle about this year is how many great 
rookies there are and how rare yeah. that is. And Sauce Gardner, That's I was looking this up point. last night, has the best completion percentage against in the NFL right now <laughs> as a rookie. And and Richard Sherman was basically just like, there will be guys on the all-pro teams, maybe it's second team, maybe it's third team, who are rookie cornerbacks. And that does not happen. And that's a game changer. Quinn and Williams' health to me is, there's two health things that, that determine this entire thing. Number one, obviously, is Mike White. Robert Silas said today that Zach Wilson is the backup. Uh, that's a problem. And Quinn and Williams, obviously, um, who's an absolute game wrecker. And if he can't play, that changes the entire complexion. <sighs> Um, so if those two guys are healthy, I like the jets here, but those are two pretty big, two pretty big what ifs. And that, I mean, that I saw, I heard someone say this earlier this week on a, on a bills pod, but like Mike white got hit as hard as you can legally get hit. Oh my God. The play where he got like folded. I, we got Dominic and I talked about that. I, I screamed watching he, by the way, on that play made an unbelievable throw. Unbelievable. Yes. Um, yeah, the Mike White thing is really, I mean, it's, this Lions defense has been better as of late, mm-hmm. no doubt. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday, like the young players are good, the pass rush is coming on, Aiden Hutchinson has been better, um, James Houston has been good for them, but you know, like they're still not, it's not the, the strength of the team by any means, I mean, they got destroyed by Minnesota, um, and I still think this run defense is pretty sus, which could be an issue against the Jets. Yes. Um, in particular, I, I really like Zonovan Knight, who's come in for them. What's his nickname? He has a nickname. Uh, Bam. They call him Bam. Okay. Bam Knight. Um, so I... Wait, his last name is Knight, and they didn't do a play on that? Like Dark Knight, or... Yeah, or, I mean, a lot of things. A lot. Wait, there's a lot of ways I you can Bam? go. The Green Knight. The Green Knight, because he plays for the Jets, and the Green Knight oh. is a... Yeah. It's like an artistic movie that not a lot of people saw. Well, no, it's from it's from a old folk. Yeah, I know, thing. I know. Yeah, the, it's like uh, even Gawain if you're not into Dev Patel, <laughs> even if you're not into Dev Patel, the Green Knight would be like, yeah. Mm, okay, Jets fans looking for a better nickname. Uh, problem with Mike White is you can't really do nicknames for him. But um, what about don't, so, someone suggested to us last year and we didn't really get it because we weren't watching the show? But the White Lotus because of, of Mike White, name, yeah, the creator of White Lotus. When he so there we go. when he hands it off to Zonovan, is it white knighting? It is. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Canceled. The Jets uh, are canceled. I'm just gonna say this right now. I don't know if he listens to the pod. I ran into Tony Real yesterday, and I think he thinks I'm a Lions fan. <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't do a great job. You're of a Lions fan it. now. And so Sorry. it yeah. might, might be one of those things that I'm just sort of stuck into for life and whenever i see tony from now on i'm gonna have to give him lions updates tell him about like how my family is just sitting around watching dan campbell and being a lions fan how are you feeling though about the lions offense against the jets even i I think this is to me one of the better like matchups of the weekend it's really we're gonna get to i think bill's offense which i think is probably the premier game at some point but i'm really curious to see um how like there's been some discourse this week on football Twitter about the Lions offensive line being rated slow in certain things. And let me tell you, just according to Mina Jen's stats, that offensive line <laughs> slaps. So yep. I, I have yep. to say I disagree. Um, and yeah, so like this is a real strength on strength matchup. Like that offensive line, we'll see about Quentin Williams, which is huge to your point. But that offensive line against this four-man rush is pretty much the matchup of the game, especially yes. because as you alluded to earlier, Jared Goff still struggles when he's actually pressured. 
Yes, uh, that's that that is it. That's the whole thing. And because Jared Goff is a completely different quarterback when he gets to play a different sport, when he gets to be upright, uh, I believe he's fifth in the NF, sixth in the completion percentage when kept clean, fifth in passer rating. Like that, that's the game. You're either getting good Jared or bad Jared, and we know we have a lot of data points on this. We know what happens when bad Jared is put in bad situations, or Jared is put in bad situations. He becomes bad Jared, right? Um, and so that's that's the whole thing. Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker are playing really, really, really well. Um, ben Johnson is coordinating his way into a head coaching job. Yeah. Uh, did you see the, the 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 anecdote yesterday about Ben Johnson with with no. McAfee with Dan Campbell? No. So Dan Campbell said he was so distracted by the wave that was happening in the no. stadium. No, he had to be joking. Actually, Stop it! I don't know. I don't know. He said he didn't really catch the Penn A. Sewell play call. That was all just Ben Johnson freelancing. Do we believe it? Is this is this Dan Campbell folklore? I don't know. Dan Campbell seems like he gets up to some shenanigans. Like he seems like the kind of guy who would I I spent I've spent probably 90 minutes total with Dan Campbell in my life and including like an hour in his office and it it is I think I actually think he's honest like 100% to like a weird degree. Like oh, I'm cried, yeah. He cried one time when I was with him talking about the auto industry collapse in 2008 so mm. 13 years after the fact he got up at one point he's so he's so uh consumed by this ha- how we process smartphones that he like was like what would you he just did this bit and he was like man what if a time traveler could see this phone and then he like got up and started doing like an elaborate physical comedy bit and just me and him in this room about like how a time traveler would process it like he became carrot top basically um, so I don't, I don't know if he was doing this just for, I don't know if he's doing a, a, a Ben Johnson or maybe he's doing Ben Johnson a solid by being like, mm. Ben is actually totally in charge of this whole thing. I worry about Goff against this defense. I think they have the capability to, well, certainly they're not going to do what the Vikings do where they did, where they sit back and just let the Lions receivers cook underneath. Um, they're going to play probably, I, I would, I would suspect a mix of quarters. They play a lot of quarters and man. And they're going to do it well. Uh, so then if it comes down to, okay, well, can this, like what, what can Mike White bring to the table against this Lions defense? I think the formula for, let me see, actually, who's favored? Don't wait. Get, don't look. Guess. I'm going to like, don't get, look. Don't, guess don't, don't, don't type it. Let me, yeah. No, I just want you to guess this one. Um, I'm going to guess Lions minus one. Okay. I'm pulling it up. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, I should have asked or looked this up before. I say that every time on my podcast. I'm like, I should have looked up this line. Okay. I, I, I pulled it up. What is it? It's Jets minus one. close it's close okay so the formula for the jets to win and their favor to me is really running the ball um i think keeping the lions offense off the field not that the defense is not capable of holding up versus them as we've discussed but i think that they can run on detroit so that's it for me the, the lions run defense i was just pulling different defenses um success rates versus different types of concepts they're allowing over seven yards per carry versus gap runs. That's something that I think the Jets can do pretty well on them. So, yeah, we'll see that. The, All right. One con- one, mm. one concept I was looking at, I was, not, I was going through different splits, and I, the Lions still have by far the deepest 
depth of target against in the NFL. Like teams really like to go to go deep on them. Um, mm. So I, I don't I don't know I don't I don't even know how relevant that is to this year's Jets team, frankly. Um, and and so I'm I'm if if Mike White and Quinton Williams can play, Quinton Williams is not practicing today. I pick the the Jets. If not, if even one of those guys yeah. misses, I pick the Lions. I'm sorry to do that, but it's like when you're picking games No, no, no. I do that all the time. We call it threading yeah. the coward's needle. Undebatable. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm like, if Darisol plays, like, it's a great cop-out. Um, no, but it's not just cop-out. It's Quinn. I think what we should note is that it's Quinn Williams is that good. I mean, before he went out in that Bills game, he was wrecking that interior He's offensive line. He's one of the line. best players in football. He is. There's so many. Uh, Mike and I were just talking about this. Right now, it feels like a golden age for defensive tackle play. Yes. like Or like defensive tackles. And there's probably like a meta discussion to be had here about like why tackle play maybe matters more. But um, like DJ Reader is suddenly the most important player on the Cincinnati defense. Quinn and Williams, um, obviously... You know, you got your Chris Joneses of the world and your ADs, but they, you can really point to a lot of teams where, I mean, shoot, we were just talking about the commanders. Their defensive tackles are freaking unreal. Dexter Lawrence is become amazing. Like, remember when Dexter, Dexter Lawrence, Lawrence was drafted and everyone was like, oh, you're going to take a defensive tackle there? Yeah. I think part of it is that offensive coordinators are so efficient now that they can, they can scheme away from certain pass rushers, but you just yeah. can't, you just can't get over somebody literally wrecking the play immediately and being over the center and, and just the play being over. Like Jeff Fisher came on slow news day a couple years ago and we were mostly doing Jeff Fisher bits and he was amazing at it. But I actually asked him some fo- football questions and I asked him, I was saying, I asked him, like, tell me when you Aaron Donald special. And he was like, the problem with a player like Aaron Donald is you literally can't practice with him on the field. <laughs> like he just, he ends the play before it's, it starts and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. You can't say, okay, let's take him out of the play. Let's, let's just, you know, run him boot concept or just do whatever it's like no 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 no. the play is over he's wrecked the entire he's wrecked three Christ- players within a second of the snap christian wilkins we're gonna talk about the dolphins yep. later holy yes. sh- nike's that guy i mean yep. jesus christ one okay best, um one of the best run stoppers in the nfl so before we take a break i want to talk a little bit briefly about falcon saints um there is there's two layers of intrigue to this game one is that literally any team can win the nfc south so all these games mm-hmm. matter uh and the other is we are finally seeing desmond ritter so the falcons have moved on from marcus Mariota. i think marcus Mariota has been ir'd pretty sure uh so it's desmond ritter's show through the rest of the season uh, Kevin, this is something I wanted to see earlier just because I felt like after, you know, the, the Falcons offense got off to a really fun start, but Mariota's limitations as a passer, particularly as a passer downfield, I felt we're holding back this offense a bit. Um, so here comes Ritter. So I think probably it's best to just kind of start with what our expectations are for him. Uh, you know, like I, I liked him coming out of college in Cincinnati just to, I mean, you can all kind of go back to our draft takes i thought he was he looked like the most pro ready of Mm. the rookie quarterbacks um he has good athleticism i don't anticipate they're going to use him like Mariota, but you know there'll be some um he'll be on the move a little bit but you know like we kind of know what they're going to do with him which is not too dissimilar from the offense a lot of play action rpos try to give him layups and then every now and then let him take deep shots hopefully that he can be because he will he is a pretty aggressive deep ball thrower that he can be better than Mariota was it's funny because you really can't get a handle Mariota is such a specific guy that you really can't get a handle on 
on what this Falcons team is because so much of what defenses were doing were, was, was against Marcus. I do like the fact that Marcus got demoted and now is going on paternity leave. I just think that oh, was is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah, that's why he left the team. I thought he His was IR. His wife had a baby last night. Well, oh. I, maybe he was IR, but he's just gone. He's he's with his baby. Damn. So good timing. You know, it's great timing. He probably yeah. you know he played that exactly right. Um, <laughs> reading some of the scouting reports on Ritter, I thought he was pro ready. I talked to some scouts who were I'd, I'd say lukewarm, but there's also I mean by the way it, it, when you talk to scouts like a lot of the, most scouts just hate everybody you know except like <laughs> like like huge def, like run stuffing defensive tackles and then offensive like like really athletic guards right those are the two people that that, that scouts actually like everybody else especially wide receivers they all stink right um, but reading some of the scouting reports. Uh, Lance Zierlin was a little skeptical of his deep ball. Sometimes it, it comes up short. Um, and then a couple of, of draft mm-hmm. nicks have mentioned Ritter's kind of, I guess you would call it slow operations, um, which give more time to the DBs to adjust. Uh, he gets pa- passes batted down. I'm interested to see. The Falcons had been the most blitz team in the league going into this game. Um, obviously, that's a, that that's to how the defense has played Mariota. Um but I'm intrigued to see how how the Saints try try to adjust here because the line has been okay within the Raiders being blitzed at offense. All offense. Oh, the the Falcons' offense. Yeah, they they're certainly better than they were during the the Matt Ryan era. Um, you know, better in run blocking than pass pro. But I was gonna say the the Saints' defense um, was really bad at the beginning of the season. I mean, there were some injuries, but um, really struggled to get pressure early in the year in a way that was like kind of shocking given who they are. Um, and they don't blitz a lot. They still play a lot of man. The cover two man is kind of the Dennis Allen signature, but they, they don't blitz a lot. But over the last month or so, the pass rush has come back. Uh, you know, it's the same guys, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, but they've been much better at getting pressure. Um, and I think that's going to be really significant in this game to your point, because one thing I do remember about watching Ritter, like, yeah, he would often at the beginning of games, be kind of inaccurate and was odd. And then he would settle down as the game went on. Uh, so if they're able to really get after him early, I think that could cause some problems. I wouldn't be, I, I suspect that the Falcons are going to lean, knowing Arthur Smith, really heavily on the run, which, you know, the Saints defense is worse against the run than they've been probably the last like 10 years. Um, so I think that's something that they're going to lean on. So, and then probably to the point where, you know, there will be opportunities. The Saints will stack the box against Atlanta and dare Ritter to beat him. And it's just going to be up to him to execute. Um, I the, I think like the hope, it, for, uh, just saying Arthur Smith's name made me think of this, Kevin. The hope is that you can get like kind of Ryan Tannehill type play out of him. Not necessarily the same quarterback. There's some differences, but there are some similar. He's more like Tannehill than Mariota was like Tannehill. And so I have to think Arthur Smith is hoping for that. Uh, did the Saints take an L this week with the Kyler Murray injury? Because they can't get a first round pick for Sean Payton now. <laughs> I didn't even like think three that. weeks ago there was the Shit. chance that they were going to get a draft pick for potentially a Chargers move or a Cardinals yeah. move. Hmm. The Chargers job might not come open now, and the Saint and, and and the Cardinals job is just not all that appealing if Kyler Murray isn't going to play for the first two months of the season. Can we take a put a can we just like totally deviate? Like say you're Sean Payton. Here, I'm gonna open the like what is the most I mean, it's the Chargers, everybody knows. Chargers and the Cowboys mm-hmm. are like have been. But let's say other let's say Brandon Staley 
we're going to talk about the Chargers. Let's say he keeps his job. Mm-hmm. They make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Seems likely right now. It does. Let's say that job's not open. Looking at the jobs, so I'm going to read to you the jobs that I think are potentially, like the jobs that are likely to be open. All right, hold on. Pulling up NFL standings. Okay, no, 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 no. Raiders, it's looking like no, even though maybe looking it should like be. No. Yeah. Denver, yes. Den- we think we think Denver's totally done. We think Hackett's yeah. totally done. Yeah, yeah. It's the only lever they can pull. What? It's the only thing they can do. Yeah. I mean, we don't we know any G- of this. Do we think the GM sure. makes it? Uh, good question. I don't know, but we're, we're this is just coaching. We're just talking about okay, Peyton. okay, okay. Uh, any chance the Browns? I feel like no, because you know they got Stavansky to like buy into. The they have to beat Watson plan. Jimmy Haslam has to beat the bad owner allegations, and I think that firing <laughs> Stefanski, he's beaten a lot of allegations in the past. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Haslam, some legal legal maneuvering. Mm. Um, but he's he's gotta have at least some stability there for a couple of years, unless there's something crazy. Yeah, I, I think you're right, this, right? Like, unless there's something crazy we don't know about behind the scenes, yeah. Um, Jimmy Haslam needs to just keep. I keep mean, the and Stefanski's been such years. a good soldier throughout. Like, all, yeah. yeah, it's just, I mean, whatever. However, you feel about it. Okay, so back backtracking. So the Broncos, we don't think the Raiders won. The Colts, the Texans, I think it's fair to say. Although they, we'll see. I'm just, these are just hypothetical jobs, right? Okay, so we're just talking about it. Um, no one in the NFC East. I think all those jobs are safe. The Cardinals, we just talked about the Cardinals. Um, no one in the NFC North, incredibly. And then the Saints. <laughs> I actually saw, I, I don't know Panthers. if it was coping or not. I saw a couple Saints fans being like, why doesn't Sean Payton just come back to the Saints? Yo, Saints fans hate their coaches so much. <laughs> not just uh, Dennis see, Allen, Pete Carmichael. I, I, yes, I know. I, I don't mean to besmirch anybody here. It seems like Dennis Allen is an interim coach. Like, yeah. I know he's not. No, I know. But he has I, the there's feel. no one yeah. in the league right now who feels more like an interim coach. The the Bucs game when he, like, was punting and the decision-making and all of it, that was a that, – that had a real – and then every time they cut to him, I was like, is he really the head coach? Like, I feel like, okay, so the Panthers, too. So, okay, so I'm going to read them all again. And you're Sean Payton. Saints, Panthers, Cardinals – Broncos, Colts, Texans. We're throwing out the Chargers. What is the most attractive job of those? It would be the Cardinals if they had a healthy Kyler Murray. Yeah. I don't think we can discount. I would take the Panthers job because Same. I just bought a house That's and need to, need to do a renovation. Um, and David <laughs> Tepper could help me with that. Um, I don't. I don't think you can discount a the money David Tepper is is okay with spending. The control you get and the fact that they're gonna have a runway to just build this thing the way you want matt rule was so bad that he didn't really he didn't really leave you any bones um and so i don't think i mean there's a couple of guys there that you'd keep but like you know deshaun deshaun payton at this age want to do a four-year project i don't know but that's what i, I would take yeah, the well, job because again yeah. going back to madden um i love building culture i actually think not to channel our friend Bill Simmons, the Panthers could be decent a little bit quicker than that. I mean, the the defense is has good young players, and then the offensive line has actually looked pretty good this year. Um, this is a team I think that with functional quarterback play could be relevant pretty quickly. So I I would pick the Panthers out of the teams that we just discussed. 
Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, this is, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how Ritter fares. Um, Saint season's basically over. Well, I guess, no, I, that's, I'm sorry, contradicting what I just said, which is anyone can still win the NFC South. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's, it's not the same, you know, I mean, and also to just get to the actual game, they could certainly lose, not just because of Ritter. This Falcons defense is awful. There's not much to say. I mean, they just are, they're so devoid of, they just need so much talent on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Lowest pressure rate in the NFL. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about two more games. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Wow! All right, so I'm going to save Dolphins Bills for the end. Uh, let's talk Titans Chargers, which, mm. okay, so um, Jags Titans, Trevor Lawrence is amazing. Jags fans, I'm sure we'll, I'll be talking about him soon. But I didn't watch this game in real time. Holy smokes, the Titans were injured. And holy smokes, <laughs> they continue to be injured. So, like, I think on paper, you look at this and you say, wow, Titans run defense has been so good and they're going to be able to run on LA. And, and we can talk about that, but like, on both sides of the ball, they're so banged up. So just like kind of an accounting of it, I guess. On defense, they haven't had Danico Autry for a while, which was a massive loss for them. David Long, who's like their stud uh, linebacker, mm-hmm. was out, is out. Christian Fulton is out. out. His backup was out last week. I think he'll be back for this one. Um, so there's just so many injuries. And then offensively, uh, they didn't have Traylon Burks. I think he might be back for this one, so that would be meaningful for them. But the offensive line is just a nightmare for Tennessee. So I, I, the Chargers, who are – it's so crazy to say this, but, like, the Chargers are, like, kind of getting healthier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the Titans seem to be going in the opposite direction. A couple things. Um, 
Number one, when I was looking at the Chargers last night and doing research, it's very, not to make my third reference to a video game, but it's very video gamey because they're really good at certain things. They're, they're either the best in the league at certain things or the worst in the league at certain things. Um, and it's really astounding how many different categories that's true for. Um, in the last month of the season, they have, they're have they holding quarterbacks to the worst co- completion percentage in the NFL, not even close um, to being number two. They are really good at that. On the other side, They've allowed the most pressures in the last four weeks, uh, 15 more than anybody else. And if you exclude the Giants, who are number two in that category, it's 22 more than anybody else. Zion Johnson, who I loved coming out, another one of these guys, you wish you could loan him out. He's got 12 just in that time period. Um, three three of the top 10 most pressured linemen in the last month play for the for, – for, I was going to say the San Diego Chargers, not to add insult to injury uh, – mm-hmm. play for the Los Angeles Chargers. It is such a boom-and-bust team – but those are the types of teams you know, that can come together in December, figure a couple of things out, and then you're, you've got a stew. Mm, a stew. A stew. You've got a little stew. You've it got seems a like in, in the Dolphins game, I've talked a lot about the defense in that game, um, but I actually kind of blew over the offense a little bit when I picked the Chargers as my winner earlier. It seems like Joe Lombardi finally decided to put Herbert on the move most of the game, and obviously... But a lot of it, too, like... it. it it's not some of it is design rollouts but you know he just has to be on the move constantly I don't think I've ever watched a game where a quarterback made the first pass rusher miss more than I did watching that game <laughs> um and uh you know we'll talk about the Dolphins defense in a second but yeah I, I if the Titans defense was at full strength I would be very concerned I would be concerned about uh, the mismatch between that very scary front. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is still there. He's, again, to our discussion about defensive tackles being like the best players in the league right now. But they are not at full strength. Uh, they are hurt. And, I, like, God. I mean, a constant, like, you, you are very much part of the NFL discourse. You know how much, how angry everybody is at Joe Lombardi at all times these days because Justin Herbert doesn't push the ball down the field. Some of that has to do with the offensive line, obviously. But if they, like, these corners, these backups, you must throw on them. Mike Williams, who is healthy, hopefully, is a mismatch for every cornerback on this roster. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, if they don't take shots in this one, it will be infuriating. Um, I think the the Titans' best chance is, of course getting pressure even with you know the guys is Jeffrey Simmons it's basically the Titans best chance in this one is the Chargers being conservative on early downs and then Jeffrey Simmons and you know Bud Dupree taking over um and so it doesn't have to be that way LA doesn't have to be that way is there a system it's funny because I asked Ruiz this question last week on Slow Newsday but you know he his theory not theory his feeling is if you started again with Herbert that Brian Dable would be the guy for him. They, they hire him as head coach and, and let both of them cook. Is there a system you'd like to see? Because I, I would say, is there an OC you'd like to hire? But anybody who, I, I think the way modern football is now, any OC that's ready to be hired from one to the next is probably just going to get a head coaching job anyway. Um, mm. Is there a system you'd like to see Justin Herbert in? That's a great question. Like, as you think about like, because, well, we'll see if they move on from Lombardi. But like, uh, what kind of They offense? have to. I mean, yes, you would like to see something like where he's obviously pushing the ball downfield more, where he's using his athleticism more, just thinking around the NFL offenses that I like to watch. I mean, honestly, what they're doing in Seattle, he would be great in, frankly. 
um, with uh, Shane Waldron right now, which yeah. is sort of a variation of the McVeigh offense. Mm-hmm. Um, even the McVeigh offense last year with Matthew Stafford, where he had him, it was a mix of, you know, they had him at empty a lot and like Herbert can do all of that. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think that it, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of systems around the NFL. Any I think system but Joe Lombardi's? <laughs> there's so many. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. I just, We're just going to uh, start naming systems or just like, the wishbone, Bear Bryant's wishbone would be better. Just have him <laughs> well, running he's out really, there, like he's, literally he's a, anything. He's he's a very like cerebral quarterback too. So he like is. things that put a lot on the plate of the like. There's times what they do in Dallas. I think he would be good in too, with uh, Kellen Moore. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's I don't know. It's very frustrating. But but anyways, TLDR: throw the ball against the Titans. You should be mm-hmm. able to do it. You can do it. We watched the Eagles do it for a zillion yards recently. Um, and then on the other side, so like the fear I think coming to this is the Titans' rushing attack will pound the terrible Chargers' run defense into submission. But the Titans' run game has not been what it was, um, yeah. largely because they just the offensive line is not good. Um, I do think if they get Burks, I, I really like Traylon Burks, and they are I, I had wanted them to use more Chigakwanko, who's a young tight end, and that he's been um, getting more more targets and snaps. So uh, I do think that this offense has the potential to attack through the air. But like I I yeah I don't know I I, I suspect the Titans are probably going to go run heavy just because of the competition. I was playing around last night with this when diving into this, and Derrick Henry obviously leads the NFL in rushing attempts into eight-man boxes. He has 90, 23 more than anyone in the league, which is hilarious. He has 59 against nine-man boxes, okay? 3.9 yards on those carries, okay? Into nine-man boxes, which is still higher than Leonard Fournette's yards per carry on the season against anything. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> they are, however, uh, 26th in offensive rush success rate, even with their, even with yeah. this, this it's, particular. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of run stuff. It's a lot of him getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. Um, the Chargers are not good at that, though. So, you know. It, The charges, we talked about the defensive game plan and how good they were against Miami. I still don't think it's a very good defense. However, um, I don't think Bosa's not going to be back for this one. So there's potential for them, I think, to move the ball, especially through the air. Well, I would say both on this Chargers team. But I think on the other side, um, they're just outmatched because of all their injuries on defense. So I'm leaning Chargers here. I, I'm I'm leaning Chargers as well because of the injuries and also I don't know like you know I, I, for what I think about Brandon Staley as a head coach, which is I, I do think he got overrated quite quickly into his tenure because he talks like a media member. Um, this is well worn ground. I talk about it on my show all the time, um, not all the time, but I did certainly around that time. Is that that because he talks like someone who might be the third man on this show? Um, I think media were were ready to to give him the benefit of the doubt on, on a number of things. I'm extremely happy. He's analytically inclined. All that stuff. He's that that has dissipated over the course of this season. Um, he's getting to be more of a normal football coach. Whatever. All right. Putting that all aside, he's still a really good defensive mind, and we saw that last week. And you kind of wonder if he's getting in his lab. And I know 
like my favorite thing, Mina, in the world, when 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 the Patriots were rolling, is when they had an injury or there was a scheme thing, and we got to see Belichick's just absolutely get in the lab and and just figure it out. He was MacGyvering all of these problems. There's a 40-year-old reference that nobody gets. And that, to me, was like the pinnacle of football. And Mm. I think with Staley, with all of these injuries, like there's always the chance that that from week to week for the the rest of the year, he's just like, hold up, I got this. And and, and I really do think he's he's a very, very good defensive mind. Sometimes that gets lost in this conversation. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it, there's been a lot of weeks this year where I'm like, oh damn, the chart, like the 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 defense is also super um, varied, like in terms of the yes. coverages, like week to week. Every their approach changes a lot, and yeah. So I, they're you know, if they get Bosa back, I think I that's massive, massive. They also might get Rashawn Slater back. I saw that it blew my mind. So Chargers getting healthy at the right Are time. Are there any more season-ending injuries? Like That's I don't, good, yeah, does happen no, anymore. Yeah, like, we used to have like we used to have injuries that 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 actually kept people out for the season, and now it's like I ah, blew his Achilles. We're gonna put him on pop. He'll be back week nine. <laughs> Grapple might come back. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. It's you just like every oh, single time. Like Ian Rappaport tweets like, oh, there's optimism that some guy we thought yeah. like his leg fell off. Oh, he'll yeah. be back. He'll be back for the Raiders game. What the hell? Yeah, it's what's well, good. God willing, right? Although it's oh, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, get, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm going to just slowly walk away from well, that. Well, I'll tell you a season-ending injury that did happen. That was the Bills losing Micah Hyde which mm. and Von Miller. So, sorry. But that gives me a segue to this game because not having those players is impactful against the Miami defense. So there's been a lot of verbal ink spilled about the Chargers game plan against Miami, what the Niners mm-hmm. did. Talked about in this podcast. I'm sure you talked about it in your podcast. If you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard people talk about it in many formats. So my question for you is, do you think the Bills can do it? And conversely, um, you know, does Miami have change-ups in response to that? Okay. So your colleague, Dan Orlovsky, said, used the word blueprint today um, <laughs> with the way that they were able – with the way that the, the the basically the Dolphins did not have the middle of the field open to them, and and we can see what that does to the offense um, and what, what Brandon Taylor was able to do. I think that – the Niners game and the Chargers game for two were very, very different and discouraging in different ways. Um, I don't know what the counterpunch is. And I saw a couple of people wonder it. And I, I really I really don't know what it is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you have any ideas on, on kind of well, what the next steps could yeah, be. Yeah, so I think there's like, there's two thoughts on this or there's two ways to talk about it. Because there's, so there's... Counterpunches, and then there's counterpunches that Miami can execute, right? Because, <laughs> right. right, well, I mean, watching them against the Chargers, who, you know, took it in the middle of the field, they were pressing, we talked about it. Uh, so what you would say is you can beat them over the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is something that is against, like, that. that, that there's something that they, there's the availability there I guess um that's not where Tua thrives as a quarterback so the other thing that comes to mind is well I thought first of all I did think they should have run more against LA so what you know what they're doing in terms of like you know dropping the linebackers um basically playing the pass on RPOs like the 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 run 
I, I saw, you know, people were tweeting their yards per carry or talking about their yards per carry being fairly low, but I still think that they could have run the ball more. I, I do wonder if Jeff Wilson getting hurt in that game maybe got Mike McDaniel away from it a little bit or made him, mm-hmm. or maybe it was just like his belief, like, hey, these concepts are working all year long. Like, it got to start working at some point, right? Like, we've been running this RPO over and over and over. It's got to start working. I do think, um, again, assuming that the Bills do something similar, there's going to be opportunities to run the football. I think you can run the football against the Bills. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is like, you know, Tua's just got to like check it down basically, mm-hmm. um, which at that, but that again, there's a little bit of an issue there because he, and this is, I, I looked this up after the game before the last two weeks. So not accounting for them, Tua was more accurate 10 to 19 yards than he was zero to 10 yards relative to other quarterbacks. Mm. Um, And I do think that that's something we've seen a little bit. We certainly saw in the last two weeks, um, you know, when, 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 you know, it's like, okay, well, why don't you just like check down to a running back or the non Waddle Hills underneath? Well, you know, this is the, and the other problem with that is it's not explosive. I mean, it is explosive if it's Tyreek Hill, I guess, and he has space, um, you know, they tried putting him in motion a little bit, and I imagine that they'll try that again. But it's the problem with all of these solutions is other than going over the top, it means you have to methodically work your way up and down the field, which they, that unfortunately might just be what they have to do, right? Um, and then hope that, like, because you have so much speed that eventually one of those guys just breaks one off. Um, but I do think the, the the main prescription is simply patience and understanding that the things that were available to you those in-breaking concepts of the middle field if they're not available to you Tua and Mike McDaniel have to be willing to go to the run in the underneath passing game and have to be patient in letting their offense matriculate up the field I'm wondering I I always get my skepticism up when I hear about blueprint, you know, cause like every single time, like, Oh, you know, remember Tom Brady loses Super Bowl to the giants and the whole thing would be like, well, it's clear now how to beat Tom Brady. You got to have a four man rush. that can get pressure on the quarterback. Well, yeah, I know everybody's trying to do that. Everyone's, you know what they're trying to do a three man rush and get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. That, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get good defensive linemen who can get after Tom Brady. Congratulations on that. And so I think that, we can't minimize a Brandon Staley's defensive plan and also just how well the corners played, um, yeah. how physical they were, um, what they were able to get away with. I mean, if that game were called differently, um, we might be having a different conversation. And and I kind of think, you know, when going back to what I, the first thing I said on this podcast about Richard Sherman and what Shanahan was able to do to, to the Seahawks, there's a difference between scoring a touchdown and literally breaking the defense um, and breaking the scheme. That, that's that's the way that the, the way that he put it. And so I don't really have any long term concerns uh, that we're never going to see the two of three weeks ago, because I really do think that, A, the Niners are the best defense in the league and they just have athletes all over the place and, and they're just a frustrating team to play against. And then B, like the, the Chargers kind of caught caught lightning in a bottle a little bit just with how well some of their backups played and all that stuff okay i think that's totally Uh, fair yeah and i also would note that the the i think it's very matchup based and i would also note like the bills like there's question marks on this defense uh especially at corner tredavis white is back which is great and he looks good but like opposite him i actually don't know they've been mixing it up constantly going to different uh solutions at the at the other spot 
So that's an issue. I think, again, like not having Micah Hyde is massive against this team. They didn't have Jordan Poyer the last time they played, I believe. So um, maybe not Matt Milano either. So Matt, the, the the one matchup thing that I do like about the Bills defense against the Miami offense is I think the the Bills linebackers, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, are amongst the best in the NFL. So that, you know, that's creates problems. Matt Milano is one of my favorite football guys. Uh, so he grew up in Orlando and... Uh, as I am one to do. So because this is important, because locker rooms have been closed for th- like two and a half years because of COVID, I can't go in and ask anybody if they're a Magic fan. Like well, I could with Ha Clinton Dix a few years ago. <laughs> is that shout the, out, the, shout the out easiest to way to quickly connect to someone from the area? I honestly just, I don't even want to connect with them. I just want to know if they're a Magic fan so we can talk about Magic. I'm not, I'm not like, I wouldn't even ask football questions. They'd be like, man, man, what do you think about, you know, how Franz and, Franz and Palo's chemistry? And so I asked someone with the Bills, I was like, hey, is Matt Milano a Magic fan? And because uh, I, I hadn't, I, I still haven't met Matt Milano. And the person responded to me and said, I don't think Matt Milano likes anything but football. Wow. And I was like, that's an amazing. I, so wow. I, don't, I also, like now I'm going to find out he's like a big Knicks fan or something. And I'm going to get all pissed off. But that, that to me was a very, I think he's just, he's got a one track. He's got a one track mind. And that's just folding Mike White in half. That's all he wants to do. Well, I, oh God, Jesus. I will also say, I thought um, the Bills pass rush looked really good without Von Miller. Uh, but against the Jets, you know, but like I, Greg Rousseau, Miami guy, I really like him. I I, him. I think he has superstar potential. Um, he's really good against the run as well, which is important for, you know, this team. So I, I do, that's the question. The biggest question marks about this team are like, can the pass rush step up without Von Miller? If Greg Rousseau gets doubled, can other guys, AJ Vanessa, Shaq Lawson, they, Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver are both really, really good too. So mm-hmm. they certainly have the pressure. I still think that they have enough of a pass rush to, you know, create some issues for Tua. I think my question mark is like, okay, can the corners execute? Um, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, so on the other side of the ball, I mean, it, it's like, oh, it's boy. it's so funny because like the whole, it, it was so Tua, Tua Herbert oriented that I don't mm-hmm. think, I feel like the Miami defense has kind of gotten lost in the sauce a little bit. Like we don't really like talk about them that much. We talked about Christian Wilkins <laughs> having an amazing game. Yeah. This pass rush is very good. They are good. However, behind them, Kevin, some issues. <laughs> um, yes. When they do get pressure, they allowed the third highest QBR in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bradley Chubb trade, I, it's funny because like since the trade, they've been better, but it's like not Bradley Chubb. Like uh, Phillips has been really good. Ingram's been really good. They, I feel like what we've seen from them thus far since the trade or last few weeks, they need to step it up uh, against the Bills for me to believe in them. Not, not just in this game, but going forward. This... Bill's offense to me. Signing Cole Beasley. Um, oh, I just saw that, yeah. Was very interesting. And I don't know. First of all, I'm intrigued to see a couple things. Number one, I feel like Josh Allen is quite hurt. Um, he revealed a uh, plasma mm-hmm. injection he had and that the, the doctor mm-hmm. basically said that that he probably should miss two two to four weeks from from what I saw from the quote. I think that may have been on McAfee last week. Um, and so that's like important because he's still playing. And they had their their chaotic run last year too, where at one point they were seven and six. They have the third most drops in the league, I think, for for receivers. They're a little bit disjointed. And I saw a stat from Ian Harditz this morning that I thought was really interesting. You and I on Slow News Day have joked about the the Josh Allen YOLO meter from three years ago. Mm. And Harditz's um, 
Harditz had a, a list of quarterbacks he called the most entertaining quarterbacks, which is a combination of big time throws and turnover worthy throws, which is basically just like we're you know you're doing something on every play. And Josh Allen leads the league in that, and uh, that's in the stat that, that Ian made up this morning because he has seven percent big time throw percentage, four point two percent turnover worthy throws. Um, Geno Smith is second uh, with six big time throw percentage and then four point two turnover worthy play. Justin Fields, by the way, is third. Um, Justin Fields, by the way, if you add it all together with the running, is probably the most entertaining quarterback in the league, but I digress. Um, it's interesting because I talked to Brandon Bean in August and we we're talking about James Cook and why he made that pick. And he said that he wanted to keep giving Josh Allen weapons because every mistake Josh Allen, not every mistake, but the majority of mistakes Josh Allen has made have been because he's wired to try to do too much on every single play. And that's just the competitive nature. And that's why I remember being saying that he he would he'll get on Josh not for bad interceptions, but for going out of his way to take a hit. Like a couple of years ago in Miami, he tried to truck Kyle Van Noy. Oh or did try, yeah, remember that? And Breen was like, please don't go out of your way to truck Kyle Van Noy. Um, that's a mistake. Um, but they want open guys and easier life for Josh Allen because A, Josh Allen will make those throws, we've seen it. He can play as well as anybody in football. But B, if nothing's happening, Josh Allen will try to make something happen. And that then leads, lends itself to a couple mistakes. We've seen that. Some of those interceptions, the red zone interception against the Jets being a good example, were just kind of strange. Uh, I think he's going to get his way out of this. I think that the well weapons can develop. I think Ken Dorsey, for a guy, I mean, Ken Dorsey has never really called plays before three years ago ken dorsey was about to call plays for the first time at appalachian state and then got called by brandon bean because they knew each other from carolina um yeah you think about just brian dable was an oc in 2009 ken dorsey was still a player ken dorsey was in canada like two years after that learning the read option um because he was still a player he's still young in his play calling life that's going to take a while this sort of bill's team is going to take a while to gel i want to see this week what this looks like because at some point the bills you know i i, I saw i guess some some columnist was trying to bait josh allen into saying this wasn't a super bowl worthy offense and josh just said okay like <laughs> i really don't think you can have referendums on december 14th or december 12th about what nfl offenses look like but i do think you know I, and i said this on my show a couple weeks ago i was asking someone recently in the nfl if like the regular season matters anymore right because the seventh seat you know the seventh playoff team now home field isn't what it was only one team can get the bye like does anything really matter and they were like the only thing that matters unless you get the bye is trajectory and you want to be playing your best football and i know that sounds like a cliche but when you're only talking about getting in the tournament and I remember you know when I did that LaFleur story uh Sean McVay basically told me that the modern playoffs are just March Madness um where you talk about just a bunch of teams being bunched together like I need to see a little bit of momentum from from this Bills team and probably need to start this week I so watching him against the Jets he was kind of struggling it was a little inaccurate at the beginning and then he put together like a couple of insane drives and I walked away from that being like, I think they'll be okay. I I, I guess the Jets did what I've, I've been saying, you know, with, with the Bills, if you can take Stephon Diggs out of the game, you've got a decent shot out of him. Now that's a very difficult task. The Jets are up to it. I don't think Miami is. Um, I also think like struggling, like I – this is more of a, a compliment for me to the Jets' defense. I think they're so – first of all, it was inclement weather – 
you saw Allen's accuracy was like a little bit off early on. I just think the Jets defense is so good that mm-hmm. um, it, they're going to make every quarterback look worse than they are. And I was encouraged by the fact that Josh Allen didn't come close to turning it over really. So I'm missing anything. I'm trying to remember. I, I, for the most part, he took care of the football. You know, he did work on the ground as necessary. They didn't run the ball super well. But again, it's like the Jets, right? It's the Jets. I I, I don't think... I th- Miami, actually, the run defense is pretty decent. Fourth in rushing DVOA. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think this is going to be about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, um... You know, some of these games, like the Bills' secondary options are all very hit or miss. Obviously, Gabe Davis is hit or miss. I came, Isaiah McKenzie will sometimes have big games, sometimes disappear. But I think that this this just feels like – I just think that that connection will be enough to sustain them against a defense like this. I do think, however, that the Miami pass rush, which I talked about, you know, Jalen Phillips and Melvin Ingram and Christian Wilkins, can present a lot of problems for a Bills offensive line, the right side of which is just totally sus. Um, you know, really the center to the right. So I do think Josh Allen could be on the move. I do think he could be under pressure, but I also think that he will look better. I, I, I just feel like this, there's an opportunity for him and for this offense to bounce back through the air in a pretty big way. And I think that's why I'm leaning bills in this one. Um, it's, I don't think, to your point, like I don't think it's like the book is out on the Miami offense. I do think that they're going to come up with some counters. I think Mike Daniel is a really, really smart coach, and I think they're going to be able to run That's the it. ball decently well. I just think Josh Allen, this feels like a Josh Allen takeover game. That's all. Great nugget from Dolphins beat availability today where Mike McDaniel said he will do, quote, zero monitoring of the weather this weekend in Buffalo. <laughs> this is via Marcel. He uh, said the only way to prepare for it is, this is great. The only real way to prepare for it is, quote, mentally deciding if it's going to matter or not. I don't know about that, man. Buddy? <laughs> buddy? Didn't he go to Yale? We could all just skip this whole conversation. Is. Yeah. This is, this, that's going to be what people come out of this with the referendum on the Dolphins, by the way, is if the offense struggles, it's going to be about the cold weather. I hate cold weather so much. Like me too. I hate me too. It. I Thank hate you. It. Yeah. It is. I, I live. I buddy. <laughs> it's a different podcast. Um, but I like don't go outside anymore. Let alone like do my job out there, which is what Mike <laughs> Daniel has to do. <sighs> you know who hates the cold more than anybody? Matt Lafleur. Just hates it. That's hilarious. And he's from Michigan. He said he got soft in. Uh, Texas, actually. Well, it's funny because, of course, you remember when the Bills came to Miami, it was like the hell game for them where, like, guys kept getting, like, heat exhaustion and stuff. So I I bet you these Bills, they are praying for inclement weather. Let me look up the Buffalo weather, actually, right now. I'm going to see what it's looking like because they they, they don't just want revenge. They want weather revenge. Sunday, 33 degrees. Looks like light snow. Woof, woof. Very different. Snow showers. Oh, buddy. That changes a lot. Um, the the hell, the Dolphins-Bills game in Miami and the reaction to it from Bills fans was one of the funniest things of this year. So much weather talk. There were, like, legitimate, like, bloggers. And I, I think the Bills, the Bills have an awesome, um, not just traditional media, but, but um, 
yeah. kind of uh, fan media, I guess you'd call it. They, they do a great, great, Agreed. great, great job. There's a like lot it. of really good people yeah. um, covering the Bills. I was just listening to the Cover One podcast uh, yesterday. Um, but there were there were a lot of people in Bill's Twitter who actually I saw a couple of them, not one, like a couple of them, like tagging the National Labor Relations Bureau and being like, this is an unsafe. I swear to God, they're like, this is an unsafe oh, work environment. Like they need to their lawsuits need to be filed. This this game has a lot of revengeiness to it, I feel like, because, yeah, they really Bill's fans were really mad about that one. So I think are you leaning Buffalo as well? I am leaning Buffalo. Yes, I, I don't. I don't. Again, like both these teams will make the playoffs. Both these teams need to improve from mm. where they have been. Um, and obviously, the the Dolphins can't look like they did the last two weeks. Um, I, I I believe in both of these teams. In, in Me the long too. Run. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like out on Miami. I just think you know the Bills are they're really good guys. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about some of the other games. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. As always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. Kevin, are you ready? I am I am ready. All right. So we're not going to only talk about the other games, but I do want to start with um, one of them, and that is tonight's game, <laughs> Niners Seahawks. Mm. Okay. My question is this. One through ten, where is your Brock Purdy hype level? So I found out his dad was a Miami Hurricanes baseball player during the glory days. So I went from about a five to a seven. Yeah. He's got some moxie that I think you need. And it was and I said this on my show on Monday, but like I remember somebody in the NBA telling me one time, like not not in not an NBA player, but like someone who works in the NBA being like, I think they're talking about Mario Chalmers. And they were like, Do you know the percentage? of players who if you ask them truthfully are you the best player in the league and if you got the sh- you know the minutes and the shine that lebron got and the touches and and the usage rate that you'd be the best player in the league it's like the number is astoundingly high like astoundingly high <laughs> and i feel like backup quarterbacks have to have that and mm. there's an anecdote that from a matt Bar- barrow story that i put out on twitter last week um about how basically he thought he, Purdy went on a recruiting trip to Alabama and Saban said he did had medium accuracy. And Purdy was like, oh, Nick Saban just didn't watch 
didn't watch me. He didn't. He literally told Nick Saban to watch the games. He's like an NFL Twitter guy. He's like <laughs> Saban, learn ball, bro. Like no, but and so he said, like he literally. I guess he didn't say it's the same, but he went back to his high school coach and was just like, Nick doesn't know who I am. Like he, he was his eval was wrong. I'm going somewhere else. I'm gonna kick. He actually said, I'm gonna go kick his ass. And then he went to Iowa State, which doesn't play Alabama. Like go to Auburn, bro. Like do something else. Anyway. Um, nice I, I actually think that's, that's like a prerequisite to being this type of quarterback is to come in and just do this. Um, my, you know, my hype level, like Kyle Shanahan, Austin Gale, my colleague had a great, a great tweet the other day. Like how many, how many quarterbacks would you want rather than having Kyle Shanahan just be the play caller, right? Like, would you rather have Mahomes than any quarterback with Shanahan being the play caller? But the the, the list, his list ended after Trevor Lawrence, which I think was maybe eight or nine quarterbacks deep. Wow. Like, Kyle Shanahan can create a good bit. maybe the 13th best Gosh. quarterback in the NFL with a guy off the street. Like, that, to me, is pretty valuable. So the hype for me is is pretty high. Yeah. If they, it's going to be fascinating. Like they, the the quarterback question next year, and all of it was already like super fraught. If Purdy actually like wins a couple playoff games or even whatever, <laughs> it's going to be nuclear. In San, the the discourse will be nuclear. Um, speaking of nuclear discourse, Ravens Browns. Uh, my question is not about the Browns though. Um, Okay, so I feel like the Ravens—they have nine wins. They're pretty, you know. They got the, the. I felt like the win last week was pretty big. They've got a decent shot at maintaining that. Well, maybe not the division lead with the the Bengals, you know, coming on strong, but a wild mm-hmm. card game. Um, if you were Lamar Jackson, I'm not asking. Okay, the the the, the, the hot take debate is always kind of like what sh- should Lamar, you know, everybody has like opinions about what Lamar Jackson should do. I want to ask if you, Kevin Clark, if you body switch with Lamar Jackson. What would you do? Just uh, in, like, would you would you sign a contract now? Would you wait it out? Like, what would you do? So, I would. I, I'm a big proponent of taking life changing money when it's offered to you. Um, <laughs> like, no, I, I share I just, that sentiment. I, I know. I know that that sounds crazy, but like, you think about someone like Baker Mayfield, who had an offer on the table. For I you know I don't know he probably could have made at least fifty million dollars from the Browns if he had signed that contract early. I think his career earnings were actually maybe higher than I thought. I actually looked the other day. I think it was forty six. It's been forty six something like that for Baker. Yeah. Um, Lamar has made thirty two million dollars, which is wonderful. I, I'm so happy for Lamar. It is far far more than you and I have made. But speak for yourself, my <laughs> Lenny. You're talking about Lenny. Yeah. Lenny. Um, I think that he can get a massive contract um, and still make make it shorter. I mean, I did a piece about Kirk Cousins a couple years ago when he got the first guaranteed contract ever. I talked to Kirk's agent, Mike McCartney, and he's basically like, the two things you need to remember are the franchise tag is your friend and short contracts are your friend. And every quarterback should remember that. And so my idea would be for Lamar to take a three-year deal, four-year deal, get $100 million in the bank, something like that, um, get that guaranteed. Don't have to worry about it. I and mean, look, look what happened with Kyler the other day. Kyler got yeah. life like not. It's not obviously they had a lot of money, right? But like it's 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 not just life changing money. It's like life changing money for your great grandkids is what Kyler has now. And he tore his ACL, and it doesn't matter as much for his long term outlook. And so I am so into the idea hypothetically of a quarterback like Lamar into the actual open market and seeing 
what he's valued at because I think that would change the entire paradigm of quarterback salaries for the rest of time. It would be unbelievable how much money he would get. But the franchise tag stacks the deck against you. And I think you need to to be real about that stuff. I remember talking to Rogers, Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago when he was going through his thing and we were just doing a piece on what he changed about the NFL. And his take, you know, one of the first things he said was the franchise tag is just so limiting to everybody. I think they all think about it and then they sign their deals two years early. So mm-hmm. if I'm Lamar, just get me $100 million um, more. I mean, it'd be way more than that in a three-year deal. Just take it and then, uh, you know, try to maybe get to the open market on your next deal when you have uh, not just generational money, but generations on generations, like Tanya on White Lotus style money. <laughs> Question three, which of the, which NFL player is most like Tanya? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, okay, Cowboys-Jags. We didn't talk about this, but I think this is like a sneaky trap game for Dallas just because I have no freaking clue what to expect from the Jaguars week to week. No. Do you? Is my question. Like, Do what I is... have any idea what to expect from the Jaguars week yeah, to week? Yeah. I mean, they're a young team. It's weirdly constructed, and I think they've got pieces, and I'm not surprised that they're this inconsistent. And Lawrence is good. He's a good I Lawrence think we're, is good. He is Come out of season good. with that knowledge. Yeah, I, I, I almost like cowardly didn't want to talk about this game because I was just like, oh, no, I got no idea what to I think, you know, it's funny because Solak said this a month ago, and a couple NFL Twitter people were giving him stick for it, but like, hmm. basically, you almost can't count the Urban Meyer year. And I actually agree with that. I actually maybe count it as like, 0.25 of a year mm. like this is we're really yeah. seeing we're really seeing trevor lawrence in an nfl uh building with nfl coaches with nfl players like i can't there are there are quarterbacks to me i mean i being said it to me a couple years ago about josh allen where he said that the first year josh allen played they, they just did not have the infrastructure for it mm. they were just praying he survived it and there are quarterbacks who go through that, and some of them don't survive it from a football standpoint. They just don't. And the fact that Trevor Lawrence looks like he's coming out on the other side of it is, frankly, um, quite a relief, I think, to me and anybody who just believes in his talent. Yeah. Agree. All right, fourth question. I'm not asking you who you think is going to make it to the Super Bowl, the matchup. I'm asking you for right now at this point in the season, what do you think is the most fun Super Bowl matchup? Eagles. Hmm. Would we not want to see Eagles versus I mean, the Eagles. Chiefs? Uh, yeah. Oh wow, you're out. Yeah, no, no, no. Wa- are you not going to watch that game? Are you, no, no. you going to watch? <laughs> it's a great game. It's an incredible game. <laughs> okay, you watch uh, Yellowstone 1923 instead. <laughs> like, what was that? Uh, no, Andy no, going no, against not. his old team. I, I, I'm just yeah, Andy against his old. That's good. That's good. And I think that has shootout potential, which I love. Obviously, even though the Eagles' defense is good. Um, any game with the Chiefs can be a shootout. So yeah, this is also handicapped because I don't I don't think right now anybody but the Eagles is equipped to win the NFC. So like it's it's hard for me. Like there are more exciting matchups, but like no not the all gap. Yeah, no, it's well. I feel like the Niners can mess around, and I mean Maybe. Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's great. It's you great want story. that? You want that? I, here's what I want. I've said this before. I want Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl so that we never question his legacy again. And I don't have to like do dumb shit on like don't have to. I do... don't think. But who's question? The thing is, you, you get those sort of things are good. 
those sort of wedge issues are good because the people who are still questioning Patrick Mahomes' legacy, you know not to take them seriously ever again. But, 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 but uh, I guess if we get to the point where it's like, you know, he's a few years in his career, he hasn't won a Super Bowl, that'll be a whole thing. I, I just don't want to deal with it. So I just want him to win the Super Bowl. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. Just wanted to all right. Um, I want to say the uh, for the discourse, the most entertaining Super Bowl would be Dolphins-Vikings. <laughs> Could you imagine a Dolphins Chargers uh well that's not a Super Bowl that's AFC Championship game <laughs> rematch Dolphins Chargers for the right to, rights to play <laughs> okay what I should have asked what the is the most toxic Kirk Super Bowl Cousins that yeah. no, it's that Kirk it's, Cousins against Tua for a week uh a Niners Niners in the Super Bowl is kind of toxic no it's not actually I think with it's not um Cowboys the most toxic Cowboys Cowboys yeah. would be toxic the cow that would be wonderful. Oh, that would be wonderful. I mean, that would the ratings bonanza would save all of our jobs forever. I will be on paternity leave. But listen, um, <laughs> someone once told me, an NFL exe- media executive once told me that uh, the NFL Network once, like, I guess, beta tested and just, just put Cowboys content up mm. and there was never any diminishing returns. And they realized one day that if you just... Like if they they knew like if they just made it the Cowboys channel like they would get any any network this is true of ESPN too like NFL Network Fox ESPN although some networks are pivoting to just being the Cowboys channel but like you could just have the Cowboys channel and it would actually rate pretty well like the Longhorn Network did nothing wrong they just picked the wrong team no comment from my end as someone who is on the studio shows at ESPN all right finally as always question from Lenny are you ready. At the very beginning of this podcast, Lenny listens in on the recordings. Um, you seem surprised that it wasn't a video podcast. Lenny noticed mm-hmm. that you were wearing a jacket and that you had your hair done. He wonders if you were disappointed. Uh, no, the best uh, ability is availability on these things. Um, I have a couple of things to do today, so I had to do mm. the hair regardless. Oh, okay. All right. um, the jacket, I will say, I put on for this just in case. I'm no longer wearing that jacket. I'm just wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> Wow. Um, am I disappointed? No. I would also say that, you know, you're on, you know, you, ha- you have this, obviously, when you're on Swan News Day. When you, someone else is recording video, you're on their home turf. They can pick whatever. So you have no idea, like, if you're, if it's going to be a good video clip, a bad video clip. Also, those breakouts, like, you have a 10% chance of just randomly being dogpiled by people. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it's a breakout. Well, because the tweets, so, the captions for the breakouts yeah, are always yeah. like, you know, Mina Kimes says, like, yeah. This quarterback sucks. And I was like, ah. Oh, and it's yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, I actually had a, uh, I was on Feinbaum a couple weeks ago and I had an Oklahoma fan take one sliver of something I wasn't talking about and said I was just destroying Brett Venables, which is not true. I was actually talking about Notre Dame. And um, and they just like tagged every single <laughs> like huge Oklahoma account and were just like, what an awful take from this guy. And I DM'd the guy and I was like, hey, hey, this is not, that's not what I said. This is not true. And he goes, oh, you're too soft for this business. And I was like, what? <laughs> Pushing back on lies is too soft. You got to you gotta just take it. Uh, oh, boy. Well, I can't really. Well, I didn't get, by the way, I didn't get dogpiled. I didn't get dogpiled. Nobody noticed. Nobody Somebody, noticed. okay, listeners, find a take. Take it out of context. Post the audio, and I will retweet it. From me? Yeah, from you. Not me, obviously. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine with that.